0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Shot Takers podcast. I would normally say an episode number here, but I can't remember what it is. So welcome to this episode number. Today we don't have Dan again. Um, Dan's gone missing once again, so it is just me, Danny. But um, guys, you're in for a treat because I am joined by my very good friend and amazing photographer, Tom Langford, who is right here with me. Um, Tom, do you want to say hello?
1: Yes, I do. Hello. Hello, everyone.
0: There he is. There he is, guys. There he is. He exists. <laughs> um, Tom, Tom, welcome to the show, man. Yeah,
1: thank you for having me, firstly. It's, it's great to be here.
0: Ah, dude, I'm so happy to have this chat with you. I've got my beer here. I'm feeling really relaxed. It feels like old times. I it feel does, like I'm yeah. back in Portsmouth with you again, which is where we met. Um... These are many moons ago, many moons. Yeah, dude. Are you, you're still in Portsmouth, right? You, you're still, I am still, still in, Portsmouth, up in Portsmouth,
1: yeah. As I'm talking from Portsmouth right now, yeah.
0: Oh, dude, so cool! I want to go back there. Um, I gotta get this question out of the way. Um, Pie and Vinyl, one of my favorite yes. places of all time. Does does that still exist? Is that still there?
1: It's still there. They that it was their ninth birthday yesterday. Believe
0: it or oh. not, yeah. I would. God, that's making me feel old because I was there when it opened. Uh, yeah. wow. Okay, cool. So, for anyone listening, Pine Vinyl is kind of like the coolest place ever. Um, it is a, a yes. vinyl record shop. Um Tom, feel free to correct me here. It's a vinyl record shop, um, which sells like kind of a bit of everything, but um like I guess probably some more rock and indie records than anything else. But yeah, basically everything. Um but also it is a pie cafe where you can get uh, like steak and kidney pie or like cheese and onion pie or whatever. Yeah, like kind an old pie. fashioned pie and mash shop. But yeah,
1: yeah. We, that sells records. Yeah, a record cafe, I think, is how they bill it. But it is definitely it's a pie and mash shop that sell records. Yeah, great place um and actually the host where i had my wedding reception that i was the first wedding that they had so yeah when me and my wife got married we we they they closed for the afternoon and we sat amongst the records and ate pie Um,
0: (laughs) that's amazing dude i didn't even know they did weddings that's so that's like and now in hindsight until
1: until i begged steve that it was a good idea and he said yes so and since then they've done quite a few i believe so
0: yeah there you go that's your claim to fame i love it because like I, I never used to do like loads of gigs i think me and you once even saw like possibly frank turner do some sort yep. of like mini set there once um and i feel like we're going to talk about frank turner in a minute because like that's another reason why i know you quite well with free music yes. and stuff yep. um but yeah dude I, okay so sorry listeners i just wanted to ask about how pine vinyl was doing so now we've got that out of yeah, the way they are alive
1: and well don't worry yeah
0: <laughs> okay cool okay good stuff um but yeah i mean to anyone listening um I guess we're going to start this off with a little bit of like a fanboy service from me towards Tom, because Tom, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit here, but Tom was there right at the start of when I was getting into photography. Um, I was first getting into photography at university um, when I was just a wee nipper of like 19, I think, or something like that. Um, It's also very weird because no one can see this, but Tom looks exactly the same as when I met him uh, like 10 years ago, which is incredible. It's amazing. It's amazing, dude. Like your mustache is slightly different, but like apart from that about the same yeah about the same I've aged um,
1: definitely this this pandemic's aged to me but on the whole i think yes there may be some soft focus going on on your zoom camera but
0: that's it it's the beauty cam um but yeah so like i knew tom like from right the start so when i was first getting into wedding photography tom was like a massive influence for me like i saw his oh. um i saw his music photography his portrait photography i remember tom like way back in the day used to have like your format website um yeah i will openly admit i ripped it completely off I copied everything about like how to, how to lay out my website from your portfolio Classic. website um like you were that guy you know that you always got to steal from someone right and um yeah so that was that was Tom for me and that was incredible and I remember just like being in love with not only like obviously your music photography which was I think like the best around in Portsmouth at the time it was it was so wow. cool um like i say like tom's getting really blushing um but yeah i remember loving your music photography. but i remember also like loving the way you edit and like that editing style kind of influenced mine kind of going forward a little bit as well um you know i, I think you were the first person i saw to like do like a, a decent job at emulating film photography and the way you edited ah. your pictures um yeah man it was it was so so cool so like that's sort of like my memories of tom and like since then we've we've sort of st- stayed in touch not as much as we we should do um i will yeah, aim definitely to fix that. not yeah yeah i'll aim to fix that post pandemic um but we have second shot wedding together right you you we second have, shot yeah, one for me like a year ago yeah that was awesome yeah it was so yeah, good I, to I see made the
1: trip down to essex
0: and we did a great wedding together yeah oh yeah because i forgot how far it was for you <laughs> it was quite a long drive i remember that now It was, but yeah, no, it was was good fun.
1: I I wouldn't drive that far for anybody, but no, when the chance came up, I, I couldn't say no, so...
0: Oh, mate, I feel, I feel blessed. Um, Yeah, dude. So, so guys, that is like kind of Tom for me. That is, that is who Tom is. That's who we're speaking to today. But I should probably hand it over to Tom now um, and let him introduce himself. So um, guys, you'll have in the show notes, you'll be able to see Tom's work. So as you're listening to this, um, please do click on that. And you can listen to this at the same time as looking at his Instagram and stuff. But like, Tom, do you want to kind of like give yourself like a bit of an introduction, let people know kind of who you are? I can do it. It won't be half as flattering as
1: yours, but I can, I
0: can try. So yeah, so
1: I'm Tom Langford. Um, I'm. I I, don't to say the word wedding photographer, but I'm a photographer. I photograph um, mainly anything with people, whether that's portraits or live music. um, And I also have, um, I guess, the bulk of my income um, comes from wedding photography. Um, I shot my first wedding back in, mm, I was my last year as a student. So probably around the same time that I met Danny. um, Mm -hmm. I think 2009 was my first wedding. um, And then it took me all the way through until 2015 to go full time with weddings. So I've been a full time wedding photographer coming
0: up for six years now yeah yeah um, but you still do like um you still do the music photography and stuff at the same time right I still do, yeah, so, yeah as well
1: up. as shooting yeah 2019 um i shot a 40-ish weddings as well as two festivals and around probably 50 to 60 gigs yeah
0: that's incredible that's 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 nuts um when i don't know I'm, i don't know when you sleep but um i presume during the day yeah. um but that dude that's so epic um yeah i because i i um, if you've listened to the show before guys you probably know that like two things sort of got me into photography one of them was music and one of them was like street photography um and skate photography that kind of jazz you know all that scene um but music photography basically um similar i guess to tom like i was starting to get into photography and then also i wanted to go to loads of gigs, but I was a cheapskate and I didn't want to pay for them. (laughs) Uh, So I started photographing gigs and that's when I sort of landed on Tom's work. So it was through the music stuff that I discovered you first. Um, Yeah, and I think like the weddings came later on, like you say, Um, but dude, that's amazing. Like, I I love that you have managed to do both so well. And I think a lot of people might be interested to like hear like how you've managed to, um, what I really admire about your work is that you don't hide the other from the other, if that makes sense. You don't like just do wedding photography and be like, Ah, don't look at my music work or you don't do music and hide your wedding work like you're quite happy to show both which we'll definitely dive into in a minute um because awesome. i think that's that's really really cool um but yeah so that's tom welcome to the show man um tom i want to kind of like start off by kind of asking you like the way i sort of like to start these things not that there's really a structure or anything but um the way i kind of like to start these things is sort of talking about like the start so like even before i met you um okay. when you were first getting into like photography like how was that for you how did that happen like how did you just stumble across i it? think
1: um, it's funny because I've listened to quite a few of these episodes now over the time. And and the more photographers or wedding photographers particularly that I speak to, um, I realize that none of them probably ever set out to not only not be for wedding photographers, but maybe not be photographers in the first place where yeah. I can almost pinpoint the pivotal moment where I decided that I was going to be a photographer. Um, I, as a, as a child, I would draw on anything and with anything that I possibly could. And like a lot of kids are out playing football or reading books. I was drawing and I was fairly set that I wanted to do art of some, you know, some strain since I was very, very small. Um, and it got, as I sort of got through into secondary school, I was getting to the point where like my imagination was racing a lot faster than the skills that I had with a pencil. So during my GCSE art, my art teacher then, um, bless him, Mr. Aldridge decided that I should take some pictures or you know so he hands me a black and white film black and white camera and we t- I take some pictures at school and go into the the dark room which was essentially a toilet cubicle sized <laughs> you know a room a room with a sink in it because we didn't really have a photography department and there wasn't a photography GCSE or anything back then i was doing fine art and as soon as yeah that first piece of paper hit the water i shook the tray picture appears I was sold that was it like that at that point there it was like photography's brilliant it's for me because i can I can lay out or create what I want to create, and the pencil's not holding me back anymore. The camera was like a gateway to be able to to do that, if you like, what what I wanted to see. Um, so from yeah, that GCSE, I went straight to college, and I did all art subjects. I did fine art, graphic design, and photography. There was nothing else from then. Um, straight from college, I went straight onto my degree, and then from my degree, I've been working towards. You know i'll
0: work towards the, the freelance life ever since that's amazing man it's it, like i i think it's funny how and i i it's kind of why i love this show is because like um so many people have different ways of stumbling into photography like you say like it kind of like it finds people in totally different ways i think it's so cool that um you're you are you are just a creative right like you like you like yeah. you say you're an artist and i love that um you kind of just look at each medium like, you know, using a camera or sketching yeah. or whatever. It's just like a tool to create as opposed to, um like i liked art as a kid um but i was crap at it like i was not i was not a good artist at all and i think the reason i like photography is because I like i can actually do this as opposed to yeah. when i would sit down and draw like uh, you know i mean, just just draw you know draw these naff pictures um whereas like i could take a semi-decent picture um yeah i think so, that's what so, i like
1: so... now though like drawing's a muscle memory and yeah uh, you know I suppose over the time that we've had off I've, I've dug my pencils back out again and it definitely takes some time to get to get used to, to using that medium again. And and it's it's definitely it's the same principle. It's, you know, muscle memory and, you know, knocking off the rust and stuff. But the more you do it, the, the better you, you can get it again.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you know when you were going like through college and stuff, was it like was photography like a standout at that point where you were like, I love photography, or was it just like I just love making stuff and photography is just one part of a puzzle, I guess?
1: Yeah, photography was very much one part of it. And but I also still really enjoyed that fine art stuff. Um, and when I came to do my degree, I actually applied for, for two photography t- courses. And I also applied to sculpture at a university as well. Really? Um, and I still really toyed with the idea of of yeah, of yeah sculpting and building something really appealed to me. But I think um, definitely um, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, um, and my yeah. parents were definitely kind of, well, oh, you know, you like photography as well. And, you know, maybe photography's got a lot more, you know, sort of career prospects than becoming a sculptor has. Um, And at the time, I I was indifferent. I think the sculpture thing was maybe me pushing my rebellious side. And, you know, the idea of being some sort of cavalier artist that sort of makes things out of rubbish was much more fun than taking pictures. But as soon as I, you know, I I sort of knocked that idea on the head and and jumped fully into photography, I never really looked back.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think photography is a much easier sell, isn't it, as a creative profession when he's just like, yeah oh, look, you yeah. can take pictures which make money as opposed to, um, yeah, trying to name all the professional sculptors off the top of your head. Um, oh. Yeah, I totally get what you mean. Um, dude, that's amazing. Um, so, I guess what I wanted to ask you, like um, coming from there, so obviously you were getting into photography um, at that point, like as a sort of creative outlet, what kind of stuff did you like to make? Because I know at this point you probably weren't shooting weddings or portraits and stuff, but you did say you were people-based. Was this, were you taking pictures of like portraits of people at this point or was it just like anything you could find? Um,
1: I've always taken um, pictures of people and it's always people, which I think has driven most most of my practice. I've, I've never, ever... I don't think I've ever taken, like, like gone out with the intentions of taking landscapes or things like that. Like, I have no patience and will talk at anything, whether it will talk back to me or not. So the idea of meeting, using a camera to meet new people, discover new people and photograph people is always what's driven what I've did. And so when I was at college, it it was photographing the other people in my class or um, at the time on a complete other tangent, like, I was training and performing as a professional wrestler as well. So it was, I was photographing some of like my wrestling buddies as well and, and stuff like that, because that was kind of like, kind of a different thing as well. So that was kind of something a little bit different. So it was yeah, everything that I did even back at college then was, was mainly people driven.
0: Yeah yeah I'm, I'm the same way man like I, I i tried sometimes to photograph like some like you know landscapes and stuff I'm like oh this is boring <laughs> like, like yeah. i could get i could get this picture off google images you know when you'd ever take that kind of picture but like um... exactly
1: and it won't be as good as the one that they've taken and yeah it, i would have got bored in the in the you know i haven't got patience like people that say wildlife photography man like i have full respect to anybody that can sit in a hole in the ground for three days waiting for a cat like yeah i, I, I couldn't do it like But then I'm sure there's people like that that wouldn't want to do what we do. So it's, you know, it's whatever makes you happy.
0: I think a lot of wedding photographers um, get into wedding photography because of their love of of people and, you know, and just being around different people and documenting that, like, so I can see where there's that natural progression there because like you're telling people stories and stuff like that, um, yeah. Which is which is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, like, so, so just so that everyone knows, like, and I will leave like links for this. Tom kind of has two websites. Like I say, he doesn't like keep his work completely separate, but there are two websites. One of them is weddings, and one of them is like the portrait stuff. And the portrait stuff is what I saw first because like I can remember like you photographing such interesting people as well. Like you're photographing like punks and like you said, like wrestlers yeah. and like, um, people who just generally just looked a lot cooler than me, uh, when I was at university. Um, I can remember that. And, um, so were you just doing like basically like just photographs of like anyone who would essentially sit for a photo at that point?
1: Pretty much at, th- at that time. It was again, I, and once, so thought of at college, it was very much just sort of photographing yeah my peers around me or friends that I had. Um, and then once i went to university again i met you know again people from all different parts of the country or there was quite a quite an age range as well on on my course so i was meeting new people um and then i think probably the next sort of pivotal moment in in that for me was um i bought myself a vespa with my with the money that i got from my oh, last yeah. student loan in my first year i bought myself a brand new shiny blue vespa um you know from and was that's why I'm pretty much, yeah, like a mod. And I used to wear a Parker and drive a scooter to university and stuff like that. So I started mixing with some of the local scooter clubs. Um, and again, and, and because of that, there were skinheads and there were punks and there were things like that. And so at the time, you know, I was, you know, I've never never been a shy person, but I wouldn't say I'm a massive, massive extra either. But to turn up to sort of, you know, scooter meets or things like that. To be like, oh, the other guy with the camera, it was a good way to sort of immerse myself and make friends in these new circles that I was finding myself in by yeah. bringing my camera along. And so, you know, if people have always known you in that sense, it became quite easy to in the end to just sort of bring myself into that. And because, you know, there were, there were people even in that small circle that were so different, you know, age wise, looks wise that were really interesting. I think doing that, it gave me more confidence then to go and seek out or just to go and ask other people to take their portrait.
0: Yeah, it's that first step, isn't it? And I think like you gotta start with something you know and like the work like the world you're in, I suppose, because yes. no one knows that like you do, I guess.
1: Exactly. Or I think even if maybe you don't know it. And when I first, you know, turned up to, you know, those first sort of couple of scooter meets, I definitely didn't know anybody. And I think the the biggest thing that anybody has, particularly with portraiture, it's the fear of rejection or people people saying no or people not understanding what you yeah. do. Um, and I think once you you do one, that's the hardest bit is starting. And once somebody in the groups says yes, and you get that portrait and it looks okay, and then the other person can see, oh, that person did a decent job, or maybe then, you know, and it just sort of snowballs from there. And I, I definitely, you know, credit or thank my camera that it allowed me to make some of those friends that I had in, in, in scootering and, and also yeah. most of my walks of life. I've, you know, I've made great friends from not only you know other photographers but but people that are photographed like
0: yeah it's like a route it's like a it's like a way to get to a destination isn't it it's like it's like a tool you can use to open doors for you um man i admire that because like i can't do that like i i like street photography um and i love portraits but i'm very difficult at combining the two i think i'm really self-aware um in terms of like going up to someone and taking their picture um you know who I don't necessarily know, like do you, like do you have any tips for me on, like how to do that without sounding like a creep? Um,
1: <laughs> it's hard, and I must admit, I, f- I find it harder now. Um, I did a commission which was probably mm, probably a few more years ago than I care to remember. Now, three or four years ago, maybe. Um, do you remember when the enemy went free? Um, no, they went. No. It came from a paid magazine to a free magazine. They used to hand out at train stations and stuff. Right. Um, right. one of the one of the features that they had in the magazine was a "What's on your headphones?" thing. And they did it every week the magazine came out. There was a different city in the UK. And I got contacted by the Enemy to do the Portsmouth one when they did that. And it was Christmas. It was, the, it was going to be the Christmas issue of, of, of Enemy. So I was there super excited that I'd even got an email from, from the guys at Enemy that wanted me to, to take some pictures for their magazine. The fact that it wasn't music, I didn't care. I was in. Yeah. So the, the brief was to more or less go to the landmarks or the popular places in Portsmouth where cool looking people that would read the enemy would hang out and basically walk up to people that were headphones in um, stop them, ask them for a portrait of them, you know, with their headphones in and then you had to sort of get a rundown for the magazine of what they were wearing, where it was from, and then what they were listening to. So there was like a photography element to it. And then the, the interview bit afterwards, and I can safely say, I think that is the most awkward thing I've ever had to do because all the other portraits that I've done in whatever circle, I've always felt like I've had an in it's I've never, I've never just had to just wander up to a complete stranger in the street who is visibly trying to not make eye contact with you because they have their headphones in and you have to wave them down. Um, So I was terrified doing that. I think it was only the fact that the procedures that my pictures were actually going to end up in the enemy, which led me to do it. Um, But the main thing is just honesty that, you know, it's that first impression thing. As soon as, you stop somebody and they take their headphones out and go, "Yes, you, you need to deliver on that first thing." And I think having something to show them is the biggest thing that you can do. Is people I think okay. need to see I'm going to create this, but with you. And once that you can do that to them, I think they're on board. Okay, that's cool. So, yeah, I, so I was I get... saying that, yeah. If go you go on, out and if you want to go out and photograph people in the street, if you've got some cool street photography, just have it with you. And yeah. I think if you're honest with people and you seem genuine, they, you know, that, that, you know, sort of genuineness, if that's a word comes across, you know, mm-hmm. I I admire street photography. I love it. You know, looking at some sort of like the Vivian Meyer stuff and this and that, but, and, and I guess it translates to wedding photography is I would feel uncomfortable spying, uh, spying, if that's the right word, on somebody and taking a picture of somebody without them knowing that I took it. Yeah. So to wander up to somebody and even if they say no which a lot of them do and just to go hey man i'm a photographer you look really cool you know i'm not trying to catch you out i'm not trying to do this this is the kind of work that i do can i take your portrait and at yeah. that point it's up to them to go okay oh, i really like that and start yeah. a conversation with you or go no i'm busy and off they walk um yeah. and as once you don't get sort of built up with the idea again that that fear of rejection thing again once you know, people, you get used to people saying no and not taking it personally. Every time you get a yes, you're like, yes, I'm on a roll. And that gives you some more confidence to go and do the next one. Um, And I think that's the cool thing about weddings is that I must even when I started doing weddings, I found there was an element of that. To walk up to a group of people, which are all friends, and you to walk into that as a stranger and try and capture something of them, which is not posed or forced, or it comes from almost like you're one of them is difficult and once you sort of get over that sort of like you know obstacle in your head that i've paid to be i'm paid to be here this is what they want me to do you know Mm -hmm. and it's okay to go in and do those and then once you you get in and you know you have a little bit of i hate the word banter but that's the word i'm going to use sort of you know banter with the guests or you just have a chat with them and treat them like humans and you you sort of break down that barrier between sort of them and us and you know, I never want to go anywhere and just be. Oh, that's the photographer. You know, mm-hmm. I want people to walk away at the end of the night. And you know, when you're trying to pack your bag and get in your car, guests are coming up to go and cheers, man. Thank you. Like, I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, have a safe. You know, and they, they they're treating you like they are the rest of their pals that they're on the dance floor with. Yeah. And I think with with the with the portraits in the street, it's that to a much lesser extent.
0: Yes, it's 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 so. Um... It's interesting that you compare it to the street photography because it's kind of like i like to think of it wedding photography is an amazing thing for street photographers to try because it's kind of like doing the documentary street photography but someone's told them in advance that yeah it's okay to do it it's like everyone's given you permission to take the picture so you can shoot it like street photography but everyone's kind of cool with it you're never going to get you know you're yeah. never going to catch anyone on a car because you are expected to be there because that's kind of assumed as a wedding photographer um i love that we about what you're saying about the the headphone project like that actually sounds really cool i wish i'd kind of seen that um i would be really embarrassed um if someone asked me because i would be like okay i'm listening to the hamilton soundtrack again um <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> i have to be honest i think um, i wouldn't be able to say a cool answer um man that sounds that sounds really cool that's really really interesting like about being honest about taking pictures because i never really thought about it that way um i've just you know just saying what it is what you're doing and i guess i to... think what i think what it comes back to
1: is and, and, and again i i do this with all the photography that i take and particularly at weddings is i always try and treat my clients the guest however how i would want to be treated myself yeah. where if i was stood you know in i don't know in, in a shopping precinct for example you know stood there having a chat with my mate and at the corner of my eye I saw somebody sort of over by the shop with a long lens pointing it at me, I would feel uncomfortable or I would want to go over and go, What the hell are you doing? Where if somebody walked up to me and was like, Oh hi, I'm a student at the local university. I think you look really cool. Would I be able to take your portrait? Unless I was in a really bad mood or in a really bad in a really big hurry, I would go, Yeah, sure, of course. And would give them five minutes of my time. Yeah. And I think that it goes the same at a wedding where, you know, the couple have booked you and, and you, you've you've had a chat with them before the day and they they know you moderately well, you would hope, but their guests don't. Yeah. And for me, if I was at a, wed- a friend's wedding, stood around having some beers, having a laugh with my friends and I saw a photographer that didn't even have the decency to wave, say hi to me as he passed or anything, sort of stood over in the distance with a 70 to 200, I would feel, I'd and, and it may be completely completely wrong of me, I'd be, he's trying to catch me out. He's waiting yes. for me to, to stick the canape in my mouth to get the yes. flat room photo, or he's waiting yeah. for this. Where if that same photographer walked into my circle and was like, "Oh, you're right, chap, how's it going?" I oh, what you know, and just sort of join in the conversation, not not to be rude, but just to sort of be present in that moment. And then when the camera comes up from your side, you're like, "Okay, he's not making any secrets about what he's doing." So I don't feel that I need to put up any guard or anything for what I'm doing around him.
0: I love that. I I mean, like I know because we've shot together that we kind of shoot in a very very similar way um if with that you know capturing the fun and the stuff but I'm, i yeah. i completely agree with you like i think it like i never have a camera like trained on a person for that very reason like i don't like just hold a camera up to, like unless obviously it's so a ceremony like like because i know yes. something's gonna happen but like i don't just point a camera at someone waiting for something to happen because that will creep someone out i think there's a lot to be said for just being like a normal nice person at a yes. wedding um and i know that sounds obvious but like I think sometimes you can get yourself into this mindset of like being like super professional and having to like you know having to look a certain way and be like like you say with a really big massive cameras and stuff um whereas it's i think a lot of people that's what a lot of people's expectations is and we're going to go back into like how you got started in wedding photography in a minute but like i think a lot of people's expectations about wedding photographers is that like there is people with massive cameras who are really you know serious and try and catch you out whereas if you're just like a normal nice person um who just happens to be capturing a day. people very quickly let their guards down and it's really refreshing i think because Definitely. people don't really know that even though that like i think a lot of wedding photographers are more like us now than you would think you know a lot of people shoot the same way me and you do um i think still people will expect like, you know the grumpy yeah. photographer with the big cameras um
1: yeah and this is what i find crazy like i yeah i don't think yeah particularly that you know, that what I do as, as a wedding photographer is, is particularly unique or revolutionary. It's But it, it still amazes me that when you have that conversation with couples in the beginning, or even chat to guests you know, sort of, you know, when you're coming out of dinner the other side and let's say you've had that sort of, you know, bit of conversation with them. Is it something that I hear quite a lot is, oh, you're, re- you know, you're, you're one of the good ones, but you're not like other photographers. Yeah. And everybody seems to have a story where they've been to a wedding, whether it's a cousin's wedding, a family, you know, wedding, a friend's wedding, where there's a photographer that's been a dickhead. And yeah. they've had a bad experience of, oh, my mate, you know, all I wanted to do was say hi to my friend, she was the bride, but she got dragged away from war for an hour. Like, oh, I only wanted to go over and give her a drink during the group photos and got told to go away. Or or oh, I had this creepy photographer that followed me around. It's yeah. like, like, those photographers must be in the minority. But for most people that you speak to, they've all had a bad experience with one.
0: It's and so interesting.
1: Part of what you do, I think, and I, I almost feel now that it's, you know, I, I, I try to be myself. That's all I've ever wanted to be in, 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 in being a photographer. But it's, it still makes me happy when people go, You're not like them. You're not like them. Yeah. Because I, like, the, the thought of being one of those photographers just genuinely makes my skin crawl. I, I would never want to be or never want to make somebody feel that way. And yes. I, I don't understand how people like that manage to get the images that cause other people to book them.
0: It's so interesting, um, and, and it's, it's so interesting what you're saying because, like, all of the things we've just talked about ha- have nothing to do with the quality of the pictures, do they? This is just other stuff. No. Like, everyone's – most guests um, – You know if they're gonna like you or not like you as a photographer and maybe you know book you if it's like a referral or whatever all that kind of stuff everything which is really important to growing your business as a wedding photographer most of that has got nothing to do with your pictures it's just like you know if you're just just being a normal person in the day and being nice and courteous and smiley like a smile goes such a long way on a wedding day like it is i think that's it
1: as well like you have the power and it's a fine line to walk about the, the wedding day is never ever about us it's never about us as photographers yeah but You walk into that wedding probably with far more experience than anybody else who was at that wedding. Yes. And you can use that experience to make an impact, a positive impact on that couple's day. And it's, you don't, you don't have to step out. You know, again, I still, most of my work is documentary. So I'm there and I'm taking work, but I never want to be invisible, but I'm never one of those. I'm I'm not waving my hands in the air. I don't want people to look at me, look at me, but, to be in a bridal prep and you see a bride who's nervous or she's this and that for you just to go over and go, don't worry, it's normal. Or maybe do this. Or have you thought about that? You know, a reassuring word or, you know, and it's, that can go a long way in making a bride or a bridesmaid or even a groom who's bricking it before the ceremony, just feel a bit better about their day. And you don't have to do that. Or we, we don't have to do that, but that's just being a nice human. And it's things like that, again, which I would do because I'm a nice person, not because I'm wanting a referral. But the reason that a lot of my work comes from referral is because you are that nice person as much as they love the pictures that you took.
0: I think because it's just as important, I think, sometimes as the pictures. I mean, people obviously love their wedding photography, but most importantly, they just want a wedding wedding photographer who, at least in our cases, I suppose, um, who they just feel comfortable with. And if they hear that other people have been comfortable around, they just don't want that to be a part of their day. Like yeah. weirdly, like a lot of and I'm sure yours is the same, a lot of people love my wedding photography, but they really hate having their picture taken. And they yeah. just like they just want, you know, someone who is just gonna make that a really comfortable experience because um the last thing you want like as a bride, like if you're nervous about, you know, everyone being there is also like a silent photographer being in the corner. And I do understand when people say, Oh, I'm a documentary wedding photographer so I so sure I shouldn't influence the day. But I don't think that means you have to like not talk and not interact and not, no. and everyone's you know, different.
1: And however, anybody wants to do, run their, their wedding business or however they are as a person is fine. Yeah. And I believe in the same way that couples find each other and get married is our yes. photographs brides where I think, you know what? These guys are awesome. I've spent every day with them and I have some other couples and go, you're really lovely people, but we just wouldn't be friends. And that's yes. okay. And the same way that they find each other where, you know, people should find wedding photographers and, I think for me and I'm very I'm quite vocal about that when I book people now is that I meet they pretty much every couple that I book because if I'm going to go and spend my Saturday with them primarily I don't want them to be disappointed and I don't want to be disappointed like I give a lot of myself to to my couples and I would not want that to be wasted or unwanted I can't be anything other than myself and so if you get a couple which don't want someone they want someone who's silent who stands in the corner or someone that doesn't offer that or in the other aspect they want a photographer who wants to rock up like a celebrity and you know set up huge things and you know is yeah. going to make them do elaborate dip kisses on the edges of cliffs and stuff yeah then they're going to be disappointed with what i take and nothing would make me more sad than to me to present them with a set of images that i loved and then go oh that's not what we wanted and yeah. i think for anything through all of it is is for good or bad is you need to set that expectation. And I think the way, you know, with, with, with the chats that I do with couples before weddings, and even right through, like you say, when you're talking to them on the day, is you're just setting that expectation of what you're going to get. And I don't yeah. have to go into a wedding. And although my couples don't like being photographed, at the same time, they know that I'm not going to drag them out for couples and go, okay, pose number one's this, pose number two's that, and I'm <laughs> going to move their hands. It's, it's it's not like that. But hopefully there's a trust there because they've seen other people's wedding photos and which I've shown to them, this picture might look like that, but it was natural. It wasn't, I didn't orchestrate that or I didn't say to them, put your hands there or to do that. I was like, just have some belief in yourselves that, you know, the happiness of your wedding day, the situation that you're in will carry, will carry that through. And it's like, if you can look at a photo of a stranger and go, that's a cool photo of them on their wedding day. As soon as you add yourselves to that mix, you look at that picture and know how you felt on that day. That's where the magic comes.
0: Yeah, I love that. That is golden stuff, man. Um, I I love what you were saying, like about people seeing themselves in the pictures. Like because I think you're right. Like that's what people are looking for when they're looking for your portfolio. Right? They want to. They're trying to look. They're trying to find photos where they can almost imagine their head like photoshopped onto the couple they're looking at. Right? Or like they're trying to see what you know let's say it's just of guests they want to they're trying to imagine their family and friends which is why like the longer you do i suppose the more consistent weddings you kind of end up shooting because that's sort of like how it just sort of works you just kind of like go down a line and i think a lot of people don't really plan that like you just end up sort of shooting similar couples like my couples are quite similar um in the fact that they're all big nerds uh, in the best possible way Um, but i think that just happens every time you don't sort of plan it um but yeah i mean i i totally agree i would hate it if i thought i did a really really good job and then just to find out that they realized they had made a mistake i guess they yes. realized that they had booked for and one and that's the
1: artist in you not the businessman in you and the business in you go well they know what they go again, you and they pass it off but me as a yeah. person if i thought that because with wedding photography you get one shot at it they get one wedding day and yeah. i think that's that and i think a lot of my couples as well particularly value that honesty in that even in that first meeting is you know and you know, for the last year they've been on zoom but Normally it would be, you know, a meeting at a pub or if they live further away, it would be an online chat. I think I've almost tried to be an anti-salesman. It's very much, it's just a chat. You know, I'm not trying to sell you anything. If you ask me a question, I'll give you a straight answer. But, you know, for for that, in that very first conversation, hopefully to get to that point, they've seen my work. So I don't have to sell them on the photography. They they like what they've seen. It's making sure that they like me and I like them. Because if I'm, you know, and and as time's gone on, if I'm going to go and spend 12 hours of my Saturday in the summer with that couple, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I'm going to have a nice time as well.
0: Yeah. Because if you because have a nice time, you take better pictures nice as time. well.
1: Exactly. You, feel, I feel comfortable around their guests because their guests are maybe, I say, a similar sort of person to I am. And the couple reflect that is I know that I'll be okay. And if I'm feeling comfortable, like you say, you make your best work or at the same time, you take a booking which you know is wrong, you guarantee two months later you'll get an inquiry for one which is dead right and it will mm-hmm. hurt so much more to say no to that couple and then by the time you even get to the day that you don't want to shoot, you've talked yourself out of it and your couple yes. deserve better than that. So it's yes. about it's all about finding that balance through everybody
0: yeah. and I think yeah.
1: when a, a couple go to look for a photographer to book they and they they, again they're looking for a photographer. I'm not looking to become a friend for life from them But if they can find someone they relate to and think, okay, I hate having my picture taken, but this guy just seems like a mate, or he seems he he talks to us in a similar way that our friends do. He's interested in the similar things. He comes, he has the similar fears that we have. If someone turned the camera on him, that would all come back around, and that that's what instills that trust
0: that's amazing man um i'm just gonna say to anyone listening at this point um i really hope you've been taking notes because like the last like like 20 minutes has been the kind of stuff that you pay for workshops to listen to because it's really really good advice and i think it's something that sometimes is not learned until you're a few years in um you feel like you need to take every single booking um you feel that like and I, and to an extent i guess you do because you have to pay the bills but like you feel that like you know you need to open yourself up to everyone which you know is not only kind of like a disservice to you because you're not going to shoot every wedding you want to shoot, but also like Tom says, it's not really fair to your couples as well, because like you should be the best photographer for them, not for, you know, just, just in general. And And you can't, you can't appeal to everyone. It's the same way as like having a favorite food, which appeals to everyone. It doesn't exist. Um, everyone's different, you know?
1: And I think the quicker you realize that it took me a long time to realize that, you know, I think that's, it's, it's things like that, which, took me you know from shooting graduating in 2009 shooting my first wedding which was a fellow student's wedding in the in the last year as a student it took me then what six years to finally be brave enough to make the leap to go full-time yeah but probably over you know 2012 you know I, i went in 2015 the two the two or three years before that i worked 30 hours a week plus shot over 30 weddings those three years i just wasn't brave enough to jump um and but i've shot weddings all types of weddings and at most price points as well. And I look back now and in some ways, I don't say I feel sorry for, that's maybe the wrong word, but I know that I took weddings that I shouldn't have taken or mm-hmm. they wanted something that I couldn't give them. And if I look back and you know, i have never say that I've had a complaint, but you get those odd email. and they go, oh, have you got any more pictures of this? Yeah. And it's happened probably two or three times to me, where it's, oh, we were maybe hoping there was a couple more pictures of this or, or you know, where, we, where, where are these pictures?
0: It, it just kind of happens sometimes when there's like the expectation is not quite yes. what they were expecting. Like maybe like I, I've had it happen before where people have, and it normally happens for one specific thing and it's detail shots. And sometimes my expectation is not like I'm going to be taking all these different detail shots. And I think I've had it before where of like you haven't got a full long shot of a dress, which like, you know, in fairness, I should have got, there's no excuse yeah. for that because I'm a photographer, but like, because it's like, for me, it's quite low down on my priorities. I didn't do it. Yeah. um i don't always think i need to hang up the wedding dress and i didn't do it on this occasion and i've had that before so i think it's just a lot of times of like setting expectations of what you do and don't do definitely um it really falls into your camp really it's on you to do that without that being through your website or through like your client calls um instead of them feeling like you know they've been stung because they expected something you didn't deliver i guess
1: and i think that's what that's what, one of the biggest lessons i think that it took me to learn is it's really Excuse me. It's really easy to blame the couple and go, "Well, they want this, they want that." Yeah. Where as soon as someone as someone points it out to you and goes, "There's a reason that they didn't that they thought that because yeah, you know, your power is to educate them." And I, I used to get it. I say, the two or three that I had, it was, "Oh, we remember you taking this photo, but it wasn't in the gallery." And you know, honest, Tom, at that point, we turn around and go, "It looked like shit. That's why I didn't give it to you." Um. But, you know, when they remember something happening, like, we remember you taking this photo. And it wasn't until a couple of times I had to try and make the best of that photo, which I knew was a short photo and deliver it because they'd requested it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was, You know, it, it then it became a part of, you know, those chats that we had where it's like, I'll take a lot of photos. Some photos will work and some will don't. And I think it just took me a while to be confident enough as a photographer to admit that some of the things that I take will be crap. Yes. But, you know, you need to work through that to find the good stuff and because i hadn't i almost felt as maybe you know a younger photographer that i couldn't let that mask slip and let them know that there's you know there's some dodgy frames in there that i set that i set them up or myself up for a fool because they were looking for a photo that wasn't there
0: yeah i i think like um, i know you listened to matt's podcast the other day um yes i always I, I one thing i found really good about what matt said was that he um says to his couples like he's gonna try some stuff and it might be crap and they won't get it and i thought that was great because i was like i don't have a confidence to do that i thought that was yeah. really really cool man um dude i i i love Everything you've been saying, like this, is all amazing. I'm going to change direction just a little bit, um, just because um, I really want to ask you about how you first got started in the industry. Because, like, this is all amazing stuff which you've learned later on in, the, yes, you know, later on in the job. Um, but I know that you didn't always have this knowledge, yet. and a lot of people who listen I to this show are. are like, kind of, <laughs> kind of in their baby steps of wedding photography and kind of getting started out and that kind of thing. And they, you know, they ask me these kinds of questions. Um, so I'd love to like time travel back a little bit and like talk about, I guess, one like the first wedding you shot, which was. With a, a fellow student, but then also yeah. when you decided to kind of make that leap into it, actually being some sort of a job. Um, so, so when you when you shot the the wedding with a student, was that like a just a favour? Like, did you have any ideas about this being a career at this point, or was it literally just a favour? No, to a not at
1: all. Literally, that was the fir- the first wedding that I shot was, was was my friend Polly. Um, she's still a wedding, she's still a photographer now. Um, oh, cool. And yeah, she was getting married to to her now husband. Um and she was like oh you know we're looking for someone to take um our our wedding pictures and sort of it was sounded and polly was a friend of mine so i wanted to do i wanted to do it um and so i was like you know i've never done a wedding before yes it'll be it'll be fun and again i was still doing a lot of documentary photography at that time so it was very much yeah i could do this but i still always had an interest in portraiture so i was like i saw it as a challenge more than anything Mm. know there's a mixture of portraits mr country i know polly i know her family this could be fun you know um and it was it was it was a great wedding um i took another girl who was on our course who's a friend of mine to help second shoot with me um which i won't go into her too much but like i learned that experience scarred me to the point that i've never ever used a second shooter yet
0: no way Never. Was that um, was that because like and and like obviously we'll keep her name out of it, but was that because she didn't do a good job or was it just difficult to manage or like
1: both? I think um, I am not a very I, I don't I'm not a very controlling person. I don't have sort of I'm not I don't have massive OCD or anything like that. But I take yeah. my, my work I take very seriously and I take my work very instinctively and I've I, after that I've always. And It's it's probably because of that. I need to jump in. And this year, I actually have a wedding where I'm taking a second of me because they've requested it. Um, I looked at the shots and was like, if only I was there, I'd have done this. Um, Like, we came out the church, um, which was dark, into the daylight. And she took... She did a portion of the group, so I did the other portion. She didn't change her ISO from coming out of the church. So we were shooting bright daylight at, like, you know, 3,200 ISO, which I'm talking, you know, on a Nikon D80, like... 12 years ago yeah 12 you know, 3200 on that thing was unusable almost so i had to then turn around and deliver that you know probably knew what what would taken on the day but i felt you know that 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 work that i had to edit and deliver wasn't as good as the work that i'd done or representative of me going forward and at that point i made that decision that and again for a long time i've always been very that's it if i can't do it myself i'm not going to mm-hmm. do it
0: yeah, I know. I know it sounds a little bit harsh, but like my criteria for second shooters um, is you got to trust them, and like the people who second shoot for me are the same people I second shoot for. You know, like yes. I, I think that the client expects that. Um, assistant is a different thing, but like I think second shooters, yeah, because they, you, you, you know, like I think it's like. The second shooter goes and does a lot of groom prep shots normally uh, d- on a yeah. traditional wedding, um, you know, and um, so and if you're a bride and stuff, but they shouldn't have worse pictures because it's the guys, exactly. like, that's, yeah. that's yeah, you know. And I think that's um, something,
1: say that I need to work on myself in that you know I know that I could take yourself or you know I've second shot for Matt that like we were talking about. I don't know yeah. I, could, I could ask any of those guys and I could I could, tell, I could bring any of you to a wedding and, and you would do a, do a brilliant job for me. I think that's just yeah. something that you know the stubborn old me needs to get over in that you know I need to I need to do it all. To know that I've done it yeah. the, way, the way that I'd, I'd want it done—that's something that you know—and learning to let go, I think, is is probably you know one of the biggest lessons which I'm going to learn this year in in terms of moving my business forward. But yeah, we're talking any, about um, back in the day. So.
0: Have you got any associates coming up? You know, with obviously with COVID and stuff, everyone's been postponing, and some people have used associates. Have you got any of that happening? I have one.
1: I have yeah. one associate. Yeah
0: yeah i say i've got two i think as well and like it's a bit it, that's quite tricky that's a tricky barrier to get over isn't it like to kind of like trust someone to shoot the wedding but like um i guess we had to do it didn't we
1: again and i think all i all i've had to do is just be incredibly honest with that couple is that when they moved i could say to them look we have two options i ever say to you i'm really sorry i'm not free and i'll send you down the road to find another photographer or again you've built that trust up with me that you know, I'm the photographer for you. So if I can go and find a friend who I know that will do an incredible job in a similar style that I done, you know, let, let me do that for you. Um, and regardless of that means that, you know, I can do the edit still and I can deliver it and, and, and keep it under my banner. That, that's yeah. irrelevant. I, I, I didn't want to send that couple out to have to troll the internet to find somebody who maybe whose work They like to go through all those, you know, those rejections of no, I'm not free. No, I'm not like they've had a shit enough time have having to, you know move their wedding in the first place yes. so if i can sort of you know rifle through my contacts and find somebody that can shoot it for me that you know it was a no-brainer
0: again if you're honest like it's the same thing we've been talking about before as long as you're honest with it like it's all good um dude that's, that's really cool so um obviously you shot this wedding and like i guess the seed was planted you enjoyed it yes. but then it took but then it took it was six years until you went pro after that right so Yes. In, in that time gap, was this always in the back of your mind? Were you like, maybe one day I'll be a wedding photographer? Like, or how did you, how you just well, shelve it? I acted
1: quite quickly on it. Um, it just took me a long time to go full time, um, yeah. which I think was partly some other reasons. Like, I before I became a full time wedding photographer, I've only ever, ever had one job. Um, when I was 16, I left school and I went and got a job in the butcher shop across the road from where I live. Yeah. And I started there as a Saturday boy. I stayed there for the entire time I was at college the entire time I was at university and then sort of had some more hours when I initially left uni and went up to work in almost full time. And then as I got busier with photography, sort of worked less and less. Um, And I think the fact that that was a really small business, there was like four people that worked there. Um, I was dreading the day that I was going to, and he knew it was coming, that I was going to have to walk into my boss and go, you know, this 10 year, Mm. 12 year run's coming to an end. Like I I need to go. Um, So I didn't. I I hung it out, like you say, for probably two or three years longer than I should have. And looking back now, going, making that leap to going full-time was the best thing that I did because I used to get paid weekly there. And so I knew that if I was skint on a Friday, I'd come Saturday again, I'd still get my money and I'd be okay. And so it was secure. You know, my boss there, you know, I love him to pieces. I still go back and help out at Christmas and stuff now and sell turkeys and stuff for him because, no, you know, yeah. he's my friend. I probably should have left before I did. But like say trying to shoot like nearly 30 weddings and work 25, 30 hours a week, means you don't, yeah. plus doing gigs as well, means that you don't sleep very often. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I shot that first wedding in, in 2009. I shot one wedding that year. The year after that, you know, again, someone down my road was like, oh, I'm getting married. You've just done a photography degree, right? Yeah, I'll shoot your wedding. So I shot their wedding and then somebody that came in the butchers that I worked at was like, Oh, we just got engaged. Like, you know, you're starting out right. And, and I sort of took little breaks like that. So maybe the next year after that, like 2010, I shot two weddings, Like the year after that I shot four to the point where I was, you know, starting to get, and, and I did, you know, every, every sort of few bookings, I sort of, you know, grew with confidence as I did them or learned something from them. But I think as well, it was like, I could probably blame, it was different times then, you know, like 2010, it's still a long time ago that mm-hmm. um, I was still, I think, quite sheltered. And I think that if I'd have had my eyes and ears open to what other people were doing or I bothered to take some education, use that money that I was getting from the weddings to invest it rather than in cameras and lenses and actually doing some learning that I would have got to where I needed to be a lot quicker.
0: I feel like there's a lot of money you can save down the line, isn't there, by going that direction like i think like i wish i had done a bit more of that as well like instead of investing in like the cameras i thought i needed to get <laughs> and, like all these yeah. ridiculous lens accessory like I, I i had so many of those dumb like flash accessories when we first started out yeah. with like every single modifier whatever don't need any of them and like yeah so like um i agree like i think investing in education is probably the better way to go with that um it's, it's like it, having yeah, like that
1: um like i when i went full-time in 2015 I went, to a work, I, I went to a workshop on like the Monday and the Tuesday, like a conference, mm-hmm. then went back to my job, worked the Thursday and the Friday, left the job, and then started my first wedding that year on a Saturday. And it took me to that point where I was shooting that many weddings and about to go full-time that I actually bothered to spend some money to go to my first conference. And I remember yeah. going into that wedding on that weekend with sort of, you know, head held high, really happy that I could, for the first time, call myself a full-time wedding photographer, but at the same time, never feeling more panicked or less prepared after the work and the stuff that I've been exposed to at the start of that week, realizing just how little I knew or just how much further I had to go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole thing, isn't there? A, I mean, this is why the education industry in photography is so massive because it just never ends, which is fun. I think it's quite a good thing. I quite like that about the industry, That like there's so much yes. to learn. But at the same time, like you're just like, oh, shit, like there's more stuff I just don't know about. <laughs> you just have to keep going. Um yeah, dude. Um, so I, I think it's interesting what you're saying about like you know staying at a job a little bit too long, and like I I think it's really it, it, hindsight is a is obviously a, a big thing. It's this, a wonderful isn't it? thing. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing, and I think um, we're talking about essentially riding a bike without the um, what are those wheels on the side stabilizers? Called? Stabilizers, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's knowing when to take those off because you would never want to just take that off before you knew how to ride a bike and before you no. you know you knew how to do it. But knowing when to remove them, um, and I know this is a bit of a weird analogy, so please bear with me, but like, like it's, it's impossible to know when you're on the bike, right? You don't know when you're ready to take exactly. them off. And yeah. it's, it's hard to know. Maybe like suddenly when you take them off and like, it's fine, you can do it. Like, that's great. But I, I can't really say to any person who's getting into the industry that I know categorically when you should, quit your job or you know um especially with this year like i've just said to everyone don't yeah. quit your job um you know just wait a little bit um so i went back so- to my
1: job i'm not gonna lie yeah. like this year i've been i've been doing consistently so many a day or two days yeah. a week in my in my butcher shop that's it he's been queued down the road from the pandemic and i've had no work but again when people look at me and go you haven't been here for a few years again you keep that honesty and go well i'm a wedding photographer when there aren't any weddings you know I'm, that's the reason i'm back like
0: yeah yeah, man, uh, we've all had to do stuff like I've been doing like all kinds of weird stuff. I've been like doing website design and um, <laughs> yeah, just, just whatever I can really do because we got to put food on the table, I guess. But um, yeah, I, it's 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 so tricky. I think knowing when to, to leave and when to like, like you say, te- take the leap and to get into it. And I suppose I think you did the right thing where basically you do it when you can't physically do both, you know, when like you're just stretched yeah. to the point where it's just like, you can't do both, so you have to do it. But like, if you have time to do both, um, you know, there are all kinds of ways, especially I think when you're first starting out with wedding photography, there's like a million things to do. Like you have to like set yeah. up a logo and a website and a branding strategy and marketing and Facebook ads and SEO and all this stuff. And I- I'm sure you're the same as me, is that like the more you do wedding photography, actually the less time you need to put into it because it kind of just yeah. runs itself and you're just... Basically focusing on sharpening that saw, learning, shooting. And
1: I think that's it. Over Particularly the last couple of years, as my business has grown and I've got busier, I, again, still spent a lot of time doing things the long way. Like, I'll be honest, the first year that I used Lightroom in my business was
0: 2018.
1: Wow. Well, I started, obviously, photography before Lightroom existed.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 of course.
1: Before Lightroom existed. So I used to use Camera Raw and then you know, a bridge to organize stuff. And then, you know, and even our, you know, those first few years, probably those first two or three years that I shot one and two weddings, I would load every image individually into, into camera raw and into Photoshop. And I would do the same settings over and over again, because nobody had bothered to teach me about batch editing. And because I was stubborn and got considered, that was the only way to get things done that I would spend a lot of late nights doing that where I could have had that wedding edited a lot quicker. Um, yeah. And because I was very tunnel visioned and I was, I need to get this done this is my way it works i don't want to change it i didn't stop you know to 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 realize or to go and look for an easier way and it wasn't until i started probably making more friends in the wedding industry or so going to these conferences and people are going oh i'm editing a wedding in you know six hours and i'm like it's taking me four days and yeah you know at, at that point where i was just that busy i didn't have four days to edit a wedding anymore because i was shooting 30 odd weddings as well as trying to do a job so you know I, I i took that time out and was like well if it takes me three days to learn how to use this software and then i can edit the wedding in a day i'm still better off than i was where i started um but it, and it took me a long time to realize that that i didn't know everything and that there were better ways out there and if you let people help you and if you bother to do the education you will save yourself time yeah that's is probably tran- one of the is- things that took me a long long time to learn
0: it's a transition from the like the. Uh amateur to the professional mindset i guess isn't it yes. and like knowing that like as a professional there you know if you were running a factory if you saw someone making something and it ended up being the same product, but it took them four times as long you'd be like, no, come on. Like, because you, you have to kind of value your time, I suppose, like almost like it's your money and, and look after it like that. Um, you know, I, I learned to edit pretty quickly just because I'm incredibly lazy. Um, and that was my way around it is I was just like, I don't have the energy to edit for more than three hours. So I'm just going to figure that out. But
1: But again, um, I think some of it came from my music that, you know, when you, when you shoot a gig, I need to edit like six or eight pictures. So it was fine. Yeah. I'd go through and like, do a big cut. I'll take the eight I needed. I could take those in because maybe they needed more work because of the situations that you're shooting in. And so I just applied that to the way that I edited weddings. And even now, if I go and shoot a gig, my workflow is kind of different to if I shoot a wedding. Like,
0: Oh really? So like like you, yeah. you spend more time over each individual image, I guess. It depends who I'm
1: shooting for. If I was shooting yeah. like for the artists, they maybe need more volume or looking for different things. So you would spend more time. If it was like I shoot some work for an agency as a contributor to like a to picture agency and they need it quickly. Um, but at the same time, they don't maybe say value the creativeness of it, it's gonna go in a paper. They need to see a head so they can see who it is that they're playing music and that's it. So for, for those things, I would tend to probably edit more minimally and then go back into it, um, for my portfolio. But you know, when you're shooting a gig and a band don't come on stage till half past nine it needs to be fired before midnight you yeah. definitely don't have time to go in and go oh yeah i'm gonna go through one cull and then a second cull and then put a bass preset over it and then tweak from there you know you get stuff you pick out the stuff you know that's gonna sell you get it edited and you get it online
0: amazing yeah, yeah that makes sense um i need to pick your brain like i guess off this podcast at some point because when you know when gigs get back to normal I'm so in like I like I had this epiphany this year. I was just like I like because I was st- I was doing a little bit at university and a little bit afterwards. I was just like, why did I give music photography up Or why did I stop doing it? And like this is I, I really want to ask you about this because like you've managed to build this amazing wedding photography business and then still do all of these things um you love which um you know i I don't want to lead you down a narrative here but my app my guess and and you don't tell me any numbers but my guess is that wedding photography is makes more money than music photography is is what i would imagine but um why like what how important was that for you because i feel like i i feel annoyed at myself when i put all my time into wedding photography and kind of let things like music photography and portrait things slip um but you've what i really admire about what you do is that you've done both successfully and still put so much time into these other things that you love and you know these other businesses as well like can you tell me can you tell us like a bit about that and like why yeah of music course it's still um, a part of your world
1: like i funnily enough i, I started shooting gigs at, at almost the same time that i started photographing weddings all the time the three years that i was at university i went to a lot of gigs like a lot yeah. of gigs. My my, say my girlfriend at the time, is now my wife, she went to university at Southampton Solent and I was here in Portsmouth. So in the week, I could go to a gig at the Wedgwood Rooms down in Portsmouth, um, you know, sort of smaller shows with my friends and then maybe I could get the train up and stay at hers and go and see the bigger artists at the Guild Hall in Southampton and this and that. So, you know, there were some, some weeks where I was going and seeing two and three gigs a week. Like I spent a lot of my, like my money that I had on seeing live music and and continue to I, I love love going to gigs and um, there's there's nothing like it I think that's probably one of the single things that I missed most um yeah. about last year um so it wasn't until you know sort of I'd shot I'd shot this wedding I'd left university and very early in 2010 I was sort of sat there going well I need to I need to do something you know I have a photography degree I know I don't want to stay cutting up meat at the bushes forever you know I, but the weddings aren't you know they're not coming in enough I need to do something and. I, was, I think I've always been you know whilst a lot of the people on, on my university course that graduated with me were oh I need to go and get a job and ended up working in the insurance or something else so that they could earn bills I was quite lucky that I was earning enough money whilst I was at the butchers to, to pay my rent and stuff like that so I had this time to sort of pursue other things which fulfilled me creatively if, if, if not monetary so I did um, I went out and more or less knocked on some doors as to find somebody that would let me photograph geeks for them. I was like, you know, I love live music. I love going to shows. So I love photography. Like it seemed a perfect blend, you know, much like yourself of the two. It means I might not have to pay to go to as many shows as I do now, but it could, it could move, you know, somewhere, somewhere for me. So I did. And I shot my first ever show. I shot Kate Nash at the Wedgwood Rooms in like April, 2010,
0: I think it was. Right. So I've been I, shooting may have, I may have gone to that gig. <laughs> possibly. possibly. I don't know. Yeah, she wore yeah.
1: like, a cat outfit. I remember very vividly, She, I had a D90 with a 50 mil on it. Um, yeah. And yeah, she wore like a cat thing and had like weird hearts on her. And you know, they're okay. Like yeah. I probably look at those with a, with a lot more sort of nostalgia and love for those pictures than I do the pictures for my first ever wedding. Um, yeah. And then from there, like again, same as what like, we were talking about earlier with with, with taking portraits of people I had a gig. So the next time I went to apply for another gig, it's like, well, this person let me shoot this gig. So you let me shoot your gig. And, you know, I I, I consider myself very, very lucky now that I kind of skipped, if you like, that whole going and photographing local band stage. Like I never cut my teeth photographing, you know, Battle of the Bands or, you know, these things. I've gone back Mm. and done stuff like that since. But to think that, you know, fair enough, she maybe wasn't at the peak of, of her career, but Kate Nash at the Wedge Rooms, you know, to a pretty much sold out crowd was the first show that I photographed. Yeah. Um, You know, there. Um, And then that led, led me on to say where I am now that I shoot a mixture of, you know, I, I shoot festivals as official media, like for the festival, as well as, you know, some stuff that I applied for as a contributor to an agency and then little bits for publication as well. So,
0: so cool, man. It's so cool. I, I, I get such a buzz from shooting a, a gig. Like it's, it's kind of hard to describe isn't it that just because so, it's normally like for those who haven't done it before I, I would recommend it to anyone because it's normally and obviously every gig is different normally it's just first three songs um it yes. might be first three songs for like the support acts as well which I always liked to do because like I think like yeah. that was just like playtime, like no pressure play time photograph support acts yes. as well um And like, just in those, like, I guess, which would end up being about 10 minutes, like, it's just epic. And you're just like, it's just so much energy. I can remember like, sometimes I'm like sweating and like, you're kind of just like trying different things out, like trying all different angles, trying to get everything and like, and then, you know, something amazing happens. and you, you might be there to capture it and you might be in the and there's a lot of praying to the photography guards of like yes. being the photographer in the right place at the right time getting the shot um, and chances are the most epic thing will happen like after people have, have been allowed to take pictures which um, I never lot, yes. I never, never understand why to
1: annoy me. which is at the point now where I do try and once I've done my three songs if it's a band that I'm not you know I haven't got friends at or I'm going to stay at I do try and get out of that pit and out of the room yeah. so that you know you've had three songs of horrible lighting and then they stick up the most gorgeous white light for songs four five and six because i I can't get angry that it happened because i didn't see it
0: it's Um, nuts isn't it it's so annoying because i like i know that they're playing a gig and i know it's about atmosphere and i'm not trying to say like pictures are more important because obviously they're not but they must know like artists must know it's important to do something in in the first three songs right they have to know there are are
1: some artists and i'm not going to name names that i photographed who you can tell do not want the press. They've allowed really? photographers in because their PRs told them. I photographed a band who, again, I will not name. Um, who fo- I photographed them at Portsmouth Guild Guildhall. And they're a fairly big band. The first song was entire backstroke, so I had silhouettes of, of the singer. The second song, he pulled a towel off the piano and held it in front of his face and waved it around in front of himself for most of the majority of the second song. And then oh, for the so most great. of the third song, he laid on his back in the middle of the stage. and oh, So he, def-
0: he definitely knew. Um, I'm going to name names because I don't really give a fuck. But like I photographed a two-door cinema club and the first three songs were um, backlit blue. And you couldn't see them at all. They were silhouettes with a blue background. and I was. Well, I possibly photographed
1: take... that same show. Was it yeah. at
0: Southampton? It was with at Southampton. as a support uh i can't remember i have photographed bastille but i don't know if they were to support i'm sorry um, I,
1: I, I have a really bad encyclopedia memory know.
0: we would to know to though we would know because i, I would have seen you at a gig photograph. so it couldn't have been yeah. it couldn't have been because i would have seen you but like i remember just being like this is shit and, <laughs> and there's no point taking any pictures almost because like i could barely even get focus on him like it was stupid yeah. um yeah it's annoying anyway tangent guys sorry just a little bit of a whinge about yeah. my experience with the music industry but apart from that like i love it it was just amazing so like i told myself this year i'm going to get back into it for sure so i will Do be picking it, yeah. your brain um at some point yeah, when things get back to normal um to get back and into like, it yeah, um, i would
1: recommend anybody uh, who's in photography whether you're into live music or not again same as people getting into weddings i wasn't particularly into brides and grooms when i got into photographing weddings and now hmm. i can't imagine myself doing anything else but at the same yeah. time I can never see myself being somebody that doesn't photograph gigs. Um, yeah. if the, I definitely couldn't live off of it. I definitely couldn't, um, I'd have to go a lot further into it. And, and, and the music industry is changing now, you know, artists are taking photographers on tour with them to make content for them. Yes. So, you know, the agency is that. so the, that industry is changing and as much as you know I've, I've never done a tour it's one of those things which will stay on a bucket list there's, there's something for me which i don't care how scummy it may be but i don't care who takes me but you yeah. know uh, maybe someone listens to this podcast who has a band <laughs> so if you want to put me in the back of your band in the back of your van for a few days and take me around the uk wherever and i'm not, i have no ambitions of you know as much as i'd love to go across the states and that i'm being realistic here like you know a five-day tour in the back of back of a sweaty van just to photograph a, a tour it's a bucket list thing for me um i've okay. done i've ticked off you know a lot of bands that i wanted to photograph i have um to stand on a, a big festival stage and look out at a big crowd i've done that and and, and continue to so but to do a tour of any size is, is something which i would love to do um Sick. but yeah like money wise photography is not particularly lucrative for me but the benefits that it reward me for my creative well-being um and the, the energy that I take from music feeds my wedding photography so yes. much that I could never imagine I never imagine a life with one without the other.
0: 100 percent And it's not and like we didn't get into photography for the money, right? Like and I, no, I think that not. there's this there's strange like I i think maybe as creators of photographers we probably are outside of this bill but obviously um there's this strange idea that every kind of photography you do has to equate to money. Um which is I don't believe in at all. Um like I'm doing pet photography at the, for example at the moment. Doesn't obviously make anywhere near as much money as wedding photography, but like yes. I love it. It's great. You just go on a walk with someone's dog. It's brilliant. Um exactly. and you just get and to take pictures. about that. And I think yeah. that's it. You need
1: you need photography which feel which feeds your creativity as much as you need photography which feeds your family. And yeah. they can be two different things. Is when music photography to me is as near to a never ending, ongoing personal project that I could get you know, like uh, to photograph in personal projects, I think to do something which which is purely for you is, is good. Um, but for me, that's music photography, um, to go and photograph a festival, three very long days with very tight deadlines in the middle of a wedding season is my holiday. Like if I've been shooting weddings back to back every, every, you know, two times a week for the past, you know, eight, nine, 10 weeks to have a weekend off from, from photographing weddings, to go and photograph a music festival is definitely not, it's not a rest. Yeah. But it leaves me... I, I walk away from that festival on that Sunday so energised and so happy and so ready to go back to a wedding again because I feel like I've been topped up on all the things that I, I needed. and you know. And I love shooting weddings. Don't get me wrong, I do. But to do the same thing over and over and over again every weekend, you need something which is different and something which sort of tops you up. And I would go to that festival whether i was paid to be there or not but to get yeah. the experiences that i do and take the images that i make that's what really you know that's what makes you feel chuffed and it's yeah and i don't care how anybody anybody says or whatever level you get to you know that the images that i've i've made um for festivals have been on the tube you know you get off a tube and your picture is looking at you like from the wall or you open a magazine which you didn't know your picture was in and it's there or you even see your picture pop up on you know, social media or on a news outlet or on a newspaper—that's cool stuff, and you don't get yeah, that yeah. Often. And Absolutely. it's those things which, but again, it might—it might not have you know paid paid my mortgage, but it made me feel happy or it made me feel proud. Yes, and that's—you don't get you know—you get cool emails from couples, and getting that feedback from them is what you really want because you don't get that from the from from the from the music stuff. Yeah. But to open up say open a book or open a, a you know, something and see my work that someone's deemed good enough to use it to endorse them, that's that's cool in my opinion.
0: I'm a hundred percent in. I just want I just want this life, Tom. Please. <laughs> I would like to to do that, please. That sounds amazing. Um and I and I couldn't agree more. Like this the idea of having like this creative fulfillment, that's why we get into photography in the first place. And I think maybe we forget that sometimes along the line and we start measuring Definitely. our success by money and stuff which is like not what it's about at all so um it's easy to get caught up in and and
1: don't get me wrong we're we're all in business we all have to make money doing this um you know in order for us to carry on doing it and and but i think that's it is it's particularly maybe as you 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 know as you do a few years in the job and you do start to yeah that that transition from hobby to income definitely happened it's it's just not allowing yourself to get jaded by it and don't start don't start, you know, and again, we'll, we'll talk in music terms. Don't be the sellout, which is just taking the job because it's got the fatter check on it. You ne- yeah. you know, because there's no longevity in that. Like, I, I think music photography and wedding photography are amazing and I could do them. But if you look at it from the outside, they suck, man. Like, you have no weekends. They're late nights. You know, like, you know, there's, there's lots of things which, you know, if you're looking at, you know, having a family or a social life and that, they're some of the worst industries to be in. But yeah. Give me that over working nine to five any day of the week
0: yeah but also i mean like it depends on how you say it like because like i guess i mean part for one you can have lots of friends who are photographers so you get to see them anyway so that's all good yeah. um but also like social life i mean weddings are so, so recharging socially i yeah. got pretty used to when i first started doing gig photography like watching a gig by myself uh, which was weird yeah. at first but then I was like this is great like you just stand next to someone yeah. and just watch the gig and that's all good um looking forward to that again I've 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 I, I started doing...
1: you would never ever go to like I've yes. seen so I've I've I, you know I've got into bands which you would never have got me to listen to ever if you hadn't sent me to photograph them or bands that I never knew existed or bands that I definitely wouldn't have paid that price tag to go and see them by myself but 100%. to see them go do you know what that band was amazing
0: like john butler trio who is a band who i've n- never heard before i photographed them are uh, now one of my favorite bands of all time and i i just literally went to a gig and i was like i love these guys and i would just start photographing i think my mouth dropped and i was like have oh, i never heard this fucking band before they're so good um yeah i can remember that that was amazing
1: Again, yeah, i remember i have a very really distinct memory of me and you photographing bombay bicycle club at the at the portsmouth guild hall yeah do you remember that and the curtain fell on us they have one of those big curtains at the front before the band come on. Well, me and you were at the same gig. Me and you were at the same gig. We definitely were. I remember this. Um, and they have on these big curtains. Like as the band come on stage, the curtain drops. And like we were in the pit. I think it was me, you and one other. And right. you know, we we're there waiting, earplugs in, waiting for the for the, the curtain to drop. And these like three or four crew members come in, the curtain falls. And I remember it fell on my camera. So I was looking oh, through my lens. I didn't see anything. And there's lots of people just like <laughs> rustling cloth around me. Um, but... But the support for that show was leanne Le Havas.
0: ah oh, right see i wouldn't even even registered he i, I don't think i listened to a,
1: a nobody at, at that yeah. time an absolute nobody but i was so enthralled by seeing her set then i went out and bought her record when it came out and i've been a yeah. huge leanne Le Havas fan ever since
0: See so, yeah, that's amazing. Like I can remember. I, I'm sorry, guys. We are just the. You know what? I'm not sorry. We're just gonna talk about music for a little <laughs> bit. But like, um, I can remember. is my show. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I can remember um going to a festival, and um, I had. It was like it was it was at. You probably know the name. It was at Brighton, and it's like a one which plays at like loads of different venues, like loads of small Great venues great escape yeah um and i i at that one there was loads of bands i didn't know but i photographed like alt j in a pub i photographed like django django um we are scientists in a pub who obviously had been around for a little bit but like they came back um other ones i can't really remember but like i can just remember like yeah literally i mean it was the first time i heard old heard jay i didn't even know they, it was before yeah. awesome wave even came out and i was like these this is ridiculous like i'm in a pub and i know i know yeah. this band is going to be big because like they had such a good sound
1: like but like those are are amazing like you had camden crawl in london and we used to have our own version here in portsmouth which was southsy fest um yeah. you know and, and like george ezra played in a room above a pub to so like 12 people like back then Bastille played that i saw the amazons in little johnny russell's on like like a put up stage where there's normally tables where people eat food um yeah i saw slaves in a room that which was that cramped that i couldn't get my camera out of my bag it was there was that many people in it um yeah. and and, and it's, it's like it's things like that that it's, it's like to somebody it might not seem anything but you know it's 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 things like it's that i really check i think i
0: think That's, it's amazing yeah. I still talk about it now and it's 10 years later so yeah it's, it's clearly magical um it is. dude that chat was amazing thank you so much for that like i feel like i picked your brain really well then um it was really great to talk um i like to finish this stuff off by asking a few rapid fire questions which are not rapid fire at all but i just kind of okay. <laughs> questions i've kind of pre-planned as opposed to everyone's being impromptu um if that's cool of you um so yeah, i guess question number one which i normally ask people is um if you could recommend like any gadget or gizmo or like tool or anything that you use i suppose let's just say in your wedding photography world and um, just to keep it simple but photography in general um that people necessarily might not necessarily know about but you feel like you kind of like have got the inside scoop on is there anything you could recommend to like listeners
1: i feel like yeah like somebody put me onto it um, quite a few years ago and i've it's for the best money probably i've ever spent in photography um, and I, I think everybody knows about it, but I'm surprised that when I speak to people, they don't, it's photo mechanic.
0: Yes. Yeah, the software oh, photo I mechanic.
1: Like, I, I use it all
0: the time. I love it. For me as a
1: wedding photographer, and more importantly, a gig photographer, where you need to add like that EXIF, that ITPC data to images quickly, um, you can have it all set up in there to load. So I do all of my ingesting and all of my colouring, everything through photo mechanic. I've never, ever found a piece of software which can render a raw file for you to tell whether it's in focus or not and do all that stuff as quick as photo mechanic
0: it's sick isn't it it's yeah um, if you don't
1: have it buy it it's the bits yeah it's amazing
0: yeah i think if you people ask me like why would i use that instead of lightroom and i was like well if you value your time that's what it's for because it's yes. just like it just does the job quicker and like i would rather do something the same thing quicker so that i could spend more time like with my friends or watching netflix or whatever so yeah that's that's why for me awesome. just
1: yeah just keeping things organized like um because for somebody that came to the lightroom really late um i, st- and I still do I, m- I manually back up everything and i have my own sort of catalog and archive systems that i use for images um having photo mechanic allowed me to keep everything in an order get through files or like you say you don't have to load everything into lightroom and watch that you know watch it the files load in for you to cull them back out of it again yeah you know you can yeah. uh, open you know copy your images to a hard drive cull it and then stick the stuff you're actually going to edit into lightroom
0: yeah it just makes sense and like you can just set it all up go to bed and it's all done for you like it's really really yeah. easy um, yeah when
1: you go from a wedding and you say you put your cards in the stack go it, burn it here burn it here and do this and like you know you know, you know it's going to get
0: done that's going to come in handy this year when we've got back-to-back uh, weddings coming up. Um, yeah, for sure. Oh, yes. um, okay, dude. So next question for you is, a, is one just for you. Um, what is the uh, what is your favorite gig you've ever shot? Um, I thought you might say, I thought you,
1: you, you might ask me this.
0: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: It's tough. I've, I've photographed a lot of shows. I think I'm, yeah, probably hundreds of shows in. Um, and I think it depends on what day you ask me, you'd probably get a different answer. But the answer that I'm going to go with, I think the my, and again, it's not going to be quick fire at all now because I'm going to tell a story that goes with this. Um, the, the the favorite gig I've ever photographed was the Prodigy at Victoria's Festival in 2018. I'm going to say, okay. yeah, it wasn't on last year. It wasn't the yes, yeah, so 2018. So it was the last festival that the Prodigy ever played with Keith with Keith Flint before he passed away that this right. festival was at the bank holiday weekend in August and he passed away in November. Um, so it was the last, Although they, 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 they toured afterwards. It's the last festival that they played. Um, the Saturday, obviously I work for the, for Victoria's festival. I'm one of their, their, their media team photographers, and I'm responsible for their main stage photographing the acts and the stuff which happens in and around it. So we were told earlier on, yep, yeah, there's going to be a contract for, um, the prodigy so only sort of certain people can are allowed in the pit from certain outlets obviously you know for me working for the festival that wasn't a problem um the saturday of the festival was gorgeous it was hot weather it was beautiful we arrived on site on the sunday to the festival possibly being called off because there were very high winds and very torrential rain um most of the bands played from the back corner of the main stage from under a gazebo till about five o'clock in the day um it was only Prodigy and another act, which I think was Friendly Fires, that played actually front and centre of the stage. Right. Um, the festival probably should have been called off. It was that wet. Everybody right. was cold. Everybody was miserable. I spent most of my day sat in the press tent just wanting to go out and take photos, but it was too wet. Right. But there was this buzz around the site that the Prodigy were going to play and it was going to happen. And, and then I, it got some sort of like a couple of hours before they were due on stage. The rain stopped people surged to come into the festival site and I have a meeting with the PR guys from the festival and they say a prodigy is saying that they want to approve your photos before the festival put them out. So I'm like, okay. And so they, say, you know, they could, because the, the pictures which I take will go out on behalf of the festival themselves. The prodigy mm-hmm. have a certain image they want to uphold, so they need to approve it. So, okay. when you do your three songs in the pit, you need to go and find their tour manager, and she is going to look at the back of your camera, and she is going to tell you which pictures the, of the yours probably before I've even seen them that I have to edit whilst they're on stage to oh, go sure. out as they finish that their set. Yeah. So. I watch them unload the light rig. And now anybody that has seen the prodigy knows the amount of strobes, the amount of mm-hmm. light and the amount of kit that they have. And so anyone, hopefully if you listen to this, know about photography that in order for me to capture those lights moving as fast as they do with moving subjects is that I need to underexpose that stage by quite a bit to get, you know, to share shadow recovery and stuff to keep the lights in and the people. Light. So I have to try and explain to a tour manager who <laughs> his job is to organize to get Keith Flint on stage and around the country, that if she looks at the back of my camera, she is going to see a black screen with lines of light on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, good point.
1: So it, it, get get me an edit and bring it to me before they come off of stage and I'll approve them from your edits.
0: Before okay. they come off stage?
1: Before they come off stage. Okay. Okay. I'll do that instead. Chill out. So I, again, I spent most of my day feeling cold and wet and miserable in this tent. And so I'd never, ever been more pumped to actually get out and do my job as i had that weekend and to stand in front of that stage the buzz and the energy from that crowd which had waited all day in that rain to see the prodigy was insane the three songs that they did i couldn't even tell you what three songs they were i've never felt more terrified yet energized and alive photographing that set and then literally to get booted out after your three songs have to run to a press tent and literally hiding in the corner, but I need to get some images out to this lady so I can see them. I yep. managed to pick through my two cameras and find, I think it was 15 images, which I managed to edit and get to the point, again, you know, going through those edits to get them to a point where you could see the people, see the lights and the rest of it. Um, took them to her at her porter cabin She approved four of them.
0: Wow. Man, that is like, I, I would... I would crumble like an absolute (laughs) biscuit, um, man. That is incredible. Like I can imagine that you'd be so. It's like being on a mission, isn't it? That is like it is. And for that reason alone,
1: I've never. And again, I'm I'm somebody which always looks for the errors in my work or the things that I could have done better. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the very the very few times in all of all of my photographic endeavors that I feel that I did the best job that I could under the circumstances that I was given and the fact say knowing you know what four or five months later that keith flint passed um that i had that opportunity that's what is that's one of one of the coolest things that ever happened to me
0: yeah because a lot of people are going to look at those pictures because like like you say they are like they're 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 more important because like i know it sounds a bit more because he passed away like Yeah. yeah they've got even they carry even more weight and like four is a lot for to be approved i feel like that's that's really good Um, I know it didn't sound like a shame, but there were
1: were some of the images that didn't get approved. I really liked, but it's quite, I also found it incredibly insightful because I only see my work from a photographer's point of view. I know what I like to shoot and what I like to capture. Mm. So I captured what what I thought, or I edited, I picked out of those, you know, those shots, what I thought was my best work, but obviously she sees it as she is working on behalf of the band. So some of the light, some of the. The pi- all of the pictures that she picked were ones which were very colourful, very colour cast and very, yes. they weren't particularly amazing shots of the people, but the shots that she picked created an atmosphere of what it was like on that stage at that time. It's, uh, like, you know, brand.
0: it's sh- like branding, isn't it? Exactly that. Where
1: normally in music photography, if you're unaware, obviously, if you go to a band, some, some bands will make you sign away rights or, you know, sort of this and that. If you're talking really high-end apps, but for the most part you can go to you know your venue take the songs if you get accreditation shoot your three songs and you can and those pictures get used you know the ones that you like so you know it was only the fact that they're a band of the size that they are which they wanted their image you know they 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 have a very you know sort of a a very controlled perspective of that they wanted the festival you know to put out and so that was that's how it worked
0: amazing amazing dude um dude i have one final question for you for our uh, rapid fire questions <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, you really are. i'm sorry about that yeah. <laughs> no no don't apologize at all that's such a sick story that's so so cool um uh, you'll have to send me that picture at some point as well because i'd love to see that and like kind of attach will, that yeah. to a, an instagram thing um yeah. So, dude, like one question I love to ask people is, let's say we could time travel back um, to, I guess, let's say when you were um, first starting wedding photography, like full time, I suppose, I was kind of getting yeah. into it or any, any kind of time, you, I suppose you want to pick. Um, what like a little bit of advice would you give yourself, like knowing what you know now? I know we've, we've talked about loads of good stuff um, already, but like if you could give yourself any advice starting out, maybe like a doubt you had or something that held you back, what would, what would you say?
1: Yeah, download fucking Lightroom, man. Seriously, that's the first thing. <laughs> like, I spent so many, so many late nights with my eyes bleeding over getting edits done the long ass way round. And um, the main thing, yeah, like somebody told me very early on, like you're given two ears and one mouth for a reason, so you should listen twice as much as you speak. And if I bothered to do that and listened and you know invested in some education from people that knew better than I did at that time. I firmly believe that maybe I would have got to where I am now a few years before I did. Um, yeah. But again, I'm, I'm not. I'm not somebody that tries to dwell on that. You know, me, I'm a little bit older than you. I, I, I turned 34 this year, um, so I'm not, I'm not old by any means. But I kind of wish that I was at that point. You know, the point that I am now, maybe t- you know, two or three years earlier. Not that I regret anything that I did or that I wasted my time. I needed to do those silly things to realise now how yes. much of a terrible idea they were. It's,
0: but, it's part of a journey, isn't it?
1: It is and it grows you as a person. But I definitely did things which just just genuinely held me back because I didn't bother to look. That yeah.
0: I mean but remember dude that you may be 34 but you still look exactly the same as when I first met you so don't worry it's all good um man like it was so good to talk with you um thank you so much like like so much good information for people starting out and so much like cool stuff about the industry I am 100% going to be your mentee when it comes to music photography so I'm so excited for that um did you have anything else like you wanted to add like maybe anything you thought you wanted to to say or was there anything else at all
1: not, not particularly. The main thing I would say to anyone listening is it like you know, they like will talk about music, and I, I'm more than happy to help anybody. There's a lot of people that, and I conti- continue to learn from now around me. Um, so anybody that is listening that has any questions at all, or if they think that they, my work is worth learning from, that wants to get in touch, um, yeah, my my email is pretty easy to find on my site and stuff. Just drop me a message, and you know, I'll happily chat with anybody about you know music or weddings or or anything really.
0: That's really nice for you, man. I'm sure people will do as well. I will leave um, some relevant links in the description so everyone once again. Please go check it out. It's really easy. You're listening to us right now. Open up your app. Press the buttons. Click the links. It's, it's easy to do, guys. It's not hard. Do that. Um, yeah. So, um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Tom, thank you so much um, for being on the show, man. I, I really not appreciate that. Pleasure. And I will catch a beer with you when we're allowed to, which is uh, soon.
1: Um, yeah, yeah so not we'll long. Have, yeah, definitely we'll have to catch long. up we'll soon. Yeah
0: yeah man yeah i'll let you know how lionel Richie goes if that goes on um yeah a couple of months um yeah dude thank you so much um and i will speak to you soon okay
1: yes take it easy man
0: all right take it easy